0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Whatever you've gone through or whatever you're going through, and Job said it so well when he said that God keeps a close watch on our paths, that God is watching us. The Bible tells us that God numbers your tears, that God collects your tears in a bottle. I love that metaphor. That God takes your tears and actually collects them because they're so important to him. That your tears matter to God. And write this down, that God cares. God cares. In my notes it says, make sure you tell the church that their pain matters to God. Because we say, people matter to God. Well, your pain matters to God too. Nahum 1:7. The Lord is what? A refuge in times of? And he What? And and he what? He cares for those who trust in him. And so when we really trust him, he says, look, I I care for you. I know what you're going through. And God desires to help me. I'm not alone in this. God desires to actually come through and help me, that he is with us. Hebrews 4.16 says that we can boldly come to the throne of what kind of God? A gracious God that, that there we will receive his what? Mercy, and we find grace to help us when we, when we need it most. And oftentimes, people say, you know what I'm going to do with my pain? I'm just going to wallow in it. And I'm just going to become a victim, and I'm going to tell everybody how bad life is. I'm sorry. I got almost four decades of doing this job, and I can tell you countless numbers of people who they just keep rehearsing how bad everything was. And I look back and I say God even in the midst of horrible things that have happened in my life I can just simply say my God is so much greater. He is so wonderful. He is so powerful. He is so loving. He is so kind. He is so kind. You ever got a card from somebody it says I'm thinking of you during your time of whatever. I'm thinking of you in your loss. I'm thinking God doesn't send us a card and say, I'm thinking of you. God says, I am physically and emotionally and spiritually involved in what you're going through. You know, I write this down. Well, you're in my thoughts and prayers. It's cool. But you're, you're more than in God's thoughts. He's not just thinking about you. He's actively involved on your behalf. Number two, don't retreat from life. Don't, don't, don't pull out. Now, I know there's times where you need some isolation, and there's times you need Sabbath, and if you're going through something, you need some time to, to grieve by yourself. I get that. But I've seen way too many people retreat from life all the way and, and stop engaging with people. My uh, dear friend, Pastor Wayne Cadero, what a great guy he is, and, and he says that we desire isolation oftentimes because we do not spend Time in solitude with God. We're not ever still and know that He's God. And then that's what I don't want to see another person. I don't want to deal with another person. And in tragedy, Wayne also writes that we tend to retreat from the very God who's there to help us and the very believers, the the right part of our community, our Christian community that can help us in that time. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm out. I'm out. And we just disengage. You know what I've learned in ministry? It's kind of odd. Uh, there there's there's no book written about this, but it's just what I've experienced. That when things happen bad to people that are outside the church, they run to the church. But when stuff happens really bad to people inside the church, they run from the church. I don't want to deal with anybody, I don't want to see anybody, I don't want to Christian, I don't want anybody to do Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. I don't want another, I'm thinking about you card. <laughs> I don't need anybody to put a little emoji on my Facebook page. Oh, I don't need that. And we just disconnect. I actually know people who have just kind of like fallen off the face of the planet when something bad happens. And that's the time we need to engage with God. That's the time we need to invest in God and not withdraw from life. Number three, we have to release the hurt. When you are hurt, our focus becomes Clouded, our perspective becomes clouded, and we don't see clearly. And we have to get to the place where we say, "God, I want to release this hurt to you." See, when you're hurt, don't just focus on what is lost. You've heard me say this before, but focus on what is left. I, I, I remember when you know my brother passed, that my parents were so focused for a season on the tragic loss of my brother that they forgot about me. And they say, well, you're kind of selfish. No. (laughs) After about six months, it's like, I'm still here. I mean, they were so devastated by the loss of my brother. And I've seen people do this. I've seen people go through stuff with their families. I've seen women go through stuff with with their, with their, 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 their fathers or their mothers, and they forget their husbands. Uh, we have to remember that, <clears throat> that we have to focus on what's left. And then in our focus, we've got to be careful that our focus doesn't just become all about the emotion that we get bitter, and mad, and angry. We want to revenge. We want to smash somebody's face in. Come on. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Paul, this incredible guy who's been through so much, he says get rid of all bitterness. I don't like that. Because sometimes I like to have a little bit of bitterness. <laughs> and he makes it clear that I need to get rid of well, how much bitterness? All. And rage and, and, and anger. Oh, by the way, um, all bitterness doesn't just mean all bitterness and then just some rage. It, 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 I, I looked it up in a dictionary. Uh, the Greek dictionary says, all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all brawling, all slander. The all applies to all the words Oh, thanks a lot, Paul. You mean I can't hold any malice in my heart? No. You have to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. You got to believe this verse. And it's hard to live, especially when somebody has wronged you. A lot of people want to do this, they want to repress it. Just write it down. They want to repress it, they want to push it down they want to swallow it, they're going to be stoic, they're going to suck it up, and they're just going to go along with life. And listen, when you do, if you repress stuff, eventually, I just want you to know this, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but I have experienced lots of people. And let me just tell you, when you repress it long enough, it oozes out of you. When people touch you, ooh, it oozes out. It's like, we, ooh, ooh they're, they're oozing. And uh, what you ooze is anger and malice and revenge. And bit- it just comes out of you. It comes out in your, your look. It comes out in, in, the, in the way that you speak. And that's why you need people around you who will challenge you in those moments. You're being bitter. Like, don't you like that? The bitter patrol is coming after you. You're being bitter. Or you're rehearsing that old story again. I like to rehearse old stories. I'm so glad for, for my wife and people in my life. It's like, we've heard it before. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you, some of you, if you keep rehearsing that old story, you, you cause people to want to pull away from you. It's like, really? You've like known the Lord how long now? And you still want to talk about Cindy Barton? <laughs> Come on. I talk about her, I laugh. I have not even tried to find her. Because if I did, I wouldn't want her to feel so bad about having missed me. She probably married some schlumpy guy who doesn't know God. You know what I mean? She probably married some ugly man. She could have had this. You know? Come on. Sorry. You're 915. You can handle it. 1045. they're, They're a little different. They've had too many pancakes, you know. (laughs) Some people just want to rehearse it and go over it and over it and over There's a difference between mourning and moaning. Mourning's when you go over it and you grieve over it and you cry about it. And uh, Matthew 5, 4, Jesus said, happy are those who mourn. It didn't say happy are those who moan. There's a difference, for they will be comforted. You're not happy because you're mourning. You're happy because you're anticipating the comfort that comes from God. And I want you to know there's a couple of times we're going to use this word comfort today. The word comfort there is the same word that Jesus used when he said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. When you mourn before the Lord, he has the ability to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to comfort your soul. I mean, that is so cool. It happened to me this week twice, where I just got away with God for a moment, and sometimes it's as silly as just moving a chair in my office to another spot in the office and calling this my sacred altar and getting on my knees and just saying, God, I, I need, I'm not going to share the story, but I, I just I need your comfort. You know, I don't need another book. I don't need another seminar. I don't need another sermon. Just right now, just right now. And all those are good, but right now, I just, I just need, Holy Spirit, would, would you come and find me? Because I'm here. My door is open. My heart is open. I, I need you to come and comfort me. And he has a way of doing that. But he doesn't do that when you're, oh, poor me. Poor me. Let me tell all my friends my story. Poor me. Poor me. Huh? We, we type both ways, don't we? Uh, the next one is release it. Release the hurt to God. Well, what does that mean? Romans twelve nineteen. I found this verse. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God for he said he will repay those who deserve it. When you release it to God, you release the results of everything to God. In other words, don't, 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 don't try to repay somebody for the wrong they've done to you. I have learned this. God does a better job than we do. He does. Just say, Lord, I release them to you. I I I I give them to you. I release the hurt. Uh, there is a wonderful scripture in Psalm forty six ten that says, "Let go of your concerns, then you will know that I am what God and I rule the nations and I rule the earth." In other words, He rules. You don't. He's God. You're not. So when you release your concerns to Him, then you will know that He's God. Um, If you're not releasing your concerns to him, let me just tell you the rest of the verse. The converse is true as well. If you're holding on to your concerns, you can't know him. Here I am with my concerns, Lord. Here I am at my pity party, God. I got all the tea set out. Here I am, the spirit of the victim. (laughs) And God says, okay, if that's what you want to embrace. But rather, he would have us embrace him by letting go of our concerns and letting him Take care of us. If you're a note taker, write Psalm 10 down. That's the victim's psalm. This is where the psalmist says, Lord, there are people doing bad things to people who don't deserve it. And they're going around, Lord, saying that you won't get them. <laughs> and he ends by saying, I know this. And in Psalm 10, verse 14, he says, but you do see, you do take notice of troubles and suffering and you're always ready to help. The helpless commit themselves to you. You have always helped the needy. So God, I'm going to release this to you. The the revenge is yours. Um, Many of you have heard about organizations that were started out of anger. Think of Mothers Against Drug Drivers. A bunch of mad moms got together. It should be actually mad moms against drunk drivers. They lost their kids to drunk drivers. They lost their spouses to drunk drivers. They lost their friends to drunk drivers. So they start this group called MAD. They were and they are. They're feisty women. And it's good because they've raised the national awareness of drinking and driving. Matter of fact, if you're really mad at people, I saw two guys recently at Southside Coffee Shop, two mean old codgers talking about their neighbors. And I got sonar hearing. I could hear them three tables away. I'm waiting for somebody to meet me, and most of my appointments, are always late. And I'm waiting, and I can hear these guys talking about these kids on their street. They have no respect. They leave all their toys in the front lawn. Their parents aren't good parents. And, and I wanted to. I, I was afraid if I got involved, they'd throw hot coffee at me because these guys were just so mad. But listen, if you've got neighbors like that, don't get mad at your neighbors. Go over there and find out if you can help them. Take your anger and turn it into something good. If you don't like kids, I mean, you just think all kids should, like, go to another planet. Remember, you were a kid once, and people didn't like you either. (laughs) And go to the Boys or Girls Club and volunteer. Go find a kid to make a difference in their life. Go find those. And I want to tell those two old codgers, maybe there's some, those kids that are on your street, maybe they need to learn something that you learned when you were out in the workforce. Maybe you know how to fabricate metal. Maybe you know how to engineer stuff. Maybe you're a good mathematician. Maybe you could help fix their bikes. I mean, take that and turn it into something constructive. And number four, receive God's work in you. Here's what I've learned. The greatest school of higher education, the greatest one that you will ever attend, is during a time of darkness, hurt, brokenheartedness, difficulty, that's the greatest school, the school of hard knocks. You ever heard of that? I've got four degrees from there. Four. And by the way, some of you need to learn this. Let me just teach you a life experience. I'll I'll save you five years of pain if you will listen to me. If God is trying to teach you something today, learn it today or you will go back through the same grade again. Gentleman says, I've been a Christian 30 years. I said, I beg to differ. You've been a Christian one year 30 times. You're in the same class. And when God wants to teach you, he wants you to move forward. Years ago, I mean, I have such respect, and I'm sorry, Air Force guys. uh, I have such respect for the Navy. The guys that go in submarines, hello. Hello. Well, we fly airplanes, we push buttons, we launch rockets. These guys go under the water in a sub. And there have been men in our church that I have talked to that were under the water for three months. Hello? I went on a tour in a submarine. I was in the sub five minutes. I had to get out. And it was docked. It was floating. Yeah, you laughed. They took, me into the, they took me into the quarters where they sleep. The bed is this wide. The bed is this long. They give them each a locker. It's this big. And the guy goes, Well, that's where we live for three months. Come and look at our kitchen. Are you kidding me? You know the little Barbie playset? That's the galley. But one thing I learned on my five minute tour, I listened to that part of the lecture. that the pressure in the submarine has to be adequate for the pressure on the outside of the ocean. In other words, if the pressure is not adequate on the inside, that the sub would actually implode upon itself and squish every one of its crew members like sardines. And he said to us that once we launch out that there's ballasts that move water around, but there's also air pressure that moves in such a way that this submarine can stand against the pressures of the outside. Otherwise, we die. And I thought, wow, please, can I go topside? Sure, thank you. <laughs> and I wasn't the only one. There was several of us that went. And we stood there, and there was a nice little Navy girl there. She's a wave, or what does she call a whack wave? I don't remember. He was just nice and very kind and stood there and I said, have people done this before? Yes, many. What do we do while we wait for the rest of the tour to catch us up? We just stand here. <laughs> and I said, have you been in the sub? She said, yes. Is it hard? You have no choice. When you're down, you, don't get to cu- you can't say, I need to go on terra firma. You, 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 you don't do that. And I said, well, what do you do if somebody goes crazy? Because I'd probably go crazy. Well, we have these little injections we give people. <laughs> I thought, cool. <laughs> I'm not going down there. They're going to give me an injection. <laughs> but I thought as I, as I left the tour and got to my car, I thought about this one thing. I thought about the Holy Spirit. How he's our, he's our internal pressure, positive pressure, that works against the... The pressures of the outside that we can walk through this world and we don't implode upon ourselves because god's spirit's inside of us that we're not alone he said he's close to the brokenhearted and there's a work that he wants to do inside of us to fill us during the season of learning to To fill us in such a way, I love this other verse. It's one of my life verses, Philippians 1-6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Here's a challenge. Ask God this question. What are you trying to teach me? And start listening. And when you read the scriptures, which you should do every day, if you don't have a Bible bookmark, we have a Bible reading plan. You can get it in the guest services room. It's free. It's free. And you can read it along with us. If you lose your place, you can go to our website, mileofc.com. You can click on Bible reading under resources and you'll have it there for you. And you can click on Bible gateway and it's all there. And if you hit the little microphone, it will read it, uh, the speaker, it'll read it to you. And you gotta get this word in your heart. This is part of the way we keep our system pressurized with the positive pressure that God wants to bring to us and the power of his Holy Spirit. Number five, release God's work through you. And here's what I've learned. When people are going through the difficulties of life, they think that God's putting them on the shelf and he's not going to use them. I think the contrary is true. That God's strength is the most real when it flows through others or flows through us to others. God's God's strength is the most real when it flows through us to others. And when it flows through a time of pain and a time of difficulty, I've heard preachers say, well, the reason you're going through this pain is so that the Lord can use you to help somebody go through the same pain. That doesn't comfort anybody. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, God will make that happen. His name was Paul. You know him so well. He's the one that told us to get rid of all bitterness and slander and all the rest. He's got this issue going on in his life. And I'm going to take like two seconds on a parenthetical stop here and ride a hobby horse. I won't ride it too long because all hobby horses go downhill and I don't want to end up in a ditch. But I just marvel at people that will teach from pulpits or teach on the TV and they'll say, God never wants you to have a problem. God God never wants you to be sick. He wants you healed. You'll be healed if you just believe. I go, did they read the Apostle Paul who says, Three times I prayed of God to remove the thorn in my side? Now, can God heal? Absolutely. Can God reverse the damage of of things we've done to our body? Absolutely, He can. But let me just tell you something. This is the Apostle Paul who writes the majority of the New Testament. And here's what he says I cried out to the Lord. And it wasn't just I cried. I mean, he really, really, Opened up his heart and his emotion. And I asked three times of the Lord to remove the thorn in my side. The thing that, and it, by the way, it wasn't a literal thorn. It wasn't a nettle in his sock. I mean, he had something severe going on in his life. And every time he asked God, God said, Nope. Nope. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, you know this verse, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. My is made in. Paul, there's a weakness in your life, and there's a power that I'm able to show you that I couldn't show you if you weren't weak. Now, nobody likes this, but it's true. My power is perfected in your weakness. But Paul, the issue is not that you get healed. The issue is that my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is really all you need, Paul. And it's like, come on, who really believes this verse? Because Lord, forget that. I don't want your grace, I want healing. I don't want your grace, I want provision. I don't want your grace, I want a friend. I don't want your grace, I want a husband. Sorry, if you're single, sorry, ladies. God has the ability to, even in the middle of our weakness, our difficulty, our illness, our pain, the knee that doesn't work, the back that hurts, the, the neck cramps, I mean, come on. Huh? Some of you abused your body when you were younger, and you're going, hey, Lord, heal me. you not healing me, Pastor, what's wrong with me? I don't know, but I'll give you this verse, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your week. Listen, God never wastes a hurt. And so if you go through something, God never wastes a hurt. He, he may have caused the hurt. He may have not caused the hurt, but he's not going to waste it. It's going to be a lesson for you, and God's going to be able to work through you, and God's going to allow his power to be more than more than enough. It's going to be perfect in you. His grace is sufficient. And I did say it. I'm going to say it again. God uses pain to help others in pain. You know how many people I've talked to that have lost brothers and sisters before? I talked with a man just a few months ago. He he asked me the question. His his mom has Alzheimer's and doesn't recognize him. And he said, "Uh, Can you help me? I said, No. (laughs) Well, you're the pastor. I said, I have a mom who doesn't recognize me either. Wow, he said, I didn't know that about you. I said, yeah, you don't know who I am. So how are we going to help each other, he said. I don't know, I said, but you're the pastor. (laughs) And I said, you know what I know? I, I, I know one thing I can do for you. I can lead you to the comforter who can comfort you in your pain. I, I, I can lead you to the one whose grace can be sufficient for you. He goes, well, I guess that's being a pastor. I said, exactly. You know what the job of the pastors To direct traffic. You got a need, I got a God. <laughs> huh? I think so many of us are trying to answer everybody's questions that they ask us. Why do bad things happen to good people? And and all these questions that people want to, you know, are there aliens out there? And it gets crazy sometimes. How about we just start doing this? Direct traffic to people. Direct God to people and people to God. I think I read that somewhere. Huh? Love God, love people, serve God, serve people. That we direct people to a God that is greater than all of their issues. So we're going to finish by reading some scriptures. I'm going to read them. And, uh, Stephen, if you put the, the first one up there, First John 3.20, uh, whenever you see the word greater, I want you to let it fly, okay? So I, I'm going to go, for God is, and you're going to go, greater. whoa, that's good. If you're watching online, you should be here, okay? But wherever you are, you got to say it, even if you're like at home, in a bedroom or something, people in the rest of the house are going to think you're nuts, just scream it out online, greater, Okay. All right, you ready? First John 3, 20, here we go. For God is greater. than our hearts, and he knows everything. John 10, 27, 29. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. My father who has given them to me is greater. than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Psalm 135, 5. I know that the Lord is Great. Great. See, we saw that. That's good. Greater, so he says, great. That our Lord is? Greater than who? Than all gods. First John 4:4, 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is? Greater than the one who's in the world. Job 33:12, for God is? Greater than who? Greater. How about you just say than me? Come on, any human being. Isaiah 29:16, excuse the New Living Translation. How stupid can you be? <laughs> he is the Potter, and he is certainly. Greater. You are only the jars he makes. Mark 1:7. John the Baptist announced someone is coming soon who is far Greater. than I am. So much Greater. that I am not even worthy to be his slave. John 3:31. John the Baptist said of Jesus, He has come from above and is Greater. than anyone else. Hebrews 1:4. This shows that God's Son is far. Greater. Than the angels, just as the name God has uh, gave him is far greater. than our names. Now listen, this week when you're going through something, just greater. Because you did so well here. When something hits the fan and it's smearing about, just say, Greater, God is greater, He's greater than all that I face. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, then guess who the greatest person is in your life? You. Oh, help you. Huh? I had somebody recently say, I don't need God. I said, who do you got? You got you. What do you do when it gets dark? What do you do when somebody breaks your heart? What do you do when somebody violates you or wrongs you? You have to go to a God who's greater than you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you today to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I believe you died on a cross and you rose again from the dead. You know why? Because Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than anything you face. And he is with you. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church, or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.